just tell the Holy Spirit, I receive and I desire everything you have for me. Everything you have for me, I desire it. Fill us till we are overflowing. We hunger and we thirst for you. Let the fire of your presence fall on us. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Do you love him tonight? We love you, Spirit of the Lord. We bless you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Before you're seated, once you turn to somebody, shake their hand, hug their neck, tell them, I'm glad you're here tonight, and I bless you. want to welcome everybody watching for internet. God bless you. Good to have you. So glad you tuned in. You're going to be blessed tonight. So we welcome our internet church. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. We're so glad you're here. You're in for such a blessing. I tell you, the Scott Aglinis have been, they're about the most purest, holiest, and just a ministry that I just touch you. Uh, you feel the presence of God just touch you from the, in the deepest part of your soul. And I know my wife and I have received so much from them, from their books and materials, but being around them, personal ministry, the relationship, and uh, you won't find a finer ministry to be a part of. It's just an honor to have them here. And I believe they're going to leave something on this pulpit because I need it and on this platform. And we need it. And it's such an honor to have Brother Sergio and Sister Kathy with us. So uh, would you all come? And, Sister, would you come and just greet the people? And would you stand and just one more time stand up and let's just welcome these generals and this awesome man and woman of God. Come on, give them a big hand. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Really, all that hand clapping needs to go to the Lord. There's not, not too much that we can do on our own. Not too long ago, I was face-to-face uh, -face with uh, a gal who actually had made a pact with the devil, and, and I was uh, in the process of trying to get her set free. And at one moment, the demon spoke out and said, I'm more powerful than you are. Well, the first thing you have to have when you get ready to cast out a demon is a little bit of courage. You have to decide that you're not fighting on your own, that you've got, you got the biggest thing going for you, which is God. So when that thing said, I'm more powerful than you are, I said, you know, you're probably right, but I'm not fighting on my own strength here. I'm coming in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that thing had to leave. It was pretty amazing. Actually, I didn't mean to start out except the pastor hand me the microphone first That's of all. <laughs> perfectly all right. No problem. Uh, we are really in a new stage this year. Um, my husband's traveled year after year after year, and then the Lord moved us to Las Vegas, which is really strange. We went from Indiana, you can imagine, to Las Vegas. And it was such a miraculous move. For two years, the Lord had been telling us, get ready to move, get ready to move. And uh, we're, we're like, okay, where are we going to move? Well, maybe we should go check out Miami. That seems to be the gateway to Latin America. So we go to Miami and check things out. <coughs> Nothing. Maybe we should move to Louisiana. Okay, our dear friends are there. You know, a couple of our kids moved here and see if there maybe could be a part, you know. And we checked out different places. And we went to several different places. Finally, I said, this is ridiculous. We're going to have to wait till the Lord speaks to us and tell us. That we're, but he kept saying, get ready to move. So we're getting our house ready to move. We're getting things ready to go. So I said, you know, the hardest thing about moving, and I'm not even sure why I'm telling you this story tonight, but I'm, there must be someone that needs to hear this. The hardest thing for us about moving was having a place to land. Sometimes when you move to a place, it's that whole transition thing, getting out of the house you're in, getting into the place you're supposed to be, having a place to land. 
And so we began to ask the Lord, kind of put a fleece before him, and we said, Lord, if someone offers us to, a place to live for a year, we're going to take that as a sign. That's where you want us to go. We began asking him that. If someone, so we're like, okay, we're just waiting for the phone to ring. Someone's going to call and say, hey, I have a house you can use for a year. And go, oh, good, wherever that is, that's where the Lord wants us to go. So a year ago, actually in 2008, I think it was, uh, Sergio was uh, invited to speak at a conference in Las Vegas because one of the previous speakers had canceled, so he wasn't even supposed to be in that conference. But we went, we uh, t took the place of the person that didn't show up, and at the end of the conference, everything's over, glory of the Lord, we go out for lunch with the pastor and his wife, and the pastors looked at us and he said, this is so strange. I haven't said anything to my wife or to my board members. He said, but the Lord spoke to me last night, and he spoke to me again today, and he told me I'm supposed to offer you a place to live for a year. And we just, I think, I think my chin must have, I think my chin hit the table. I'm not sure because it was so shocking because the city of Las Vegas wasn't on any list, the long list, the short list hadn't even crossed our minds. So God opens doors at the strangest places for you if you're listening and you're willing. And we went home and we said, we're going to pray. We said, we're going to pray. I don't know why we were praying about it because it was so amazing that he had offered that. But we prayed about it. We had the peace of the Lord. We went back to our house in Indiana. We literally packed the house and in three weeks traded out our vehicle. We weren't sure our cars were going to make it across the mountain back to Las Vegas traded out our cars, and drove across the whole nation, basically, to get to the city of Las Vegas. It's been an amazing year. So guess what? We get through the whole year, move into uh, a year has gone by. We're, we actually end up on pastoral staff there. We plant a Spanish congregation. We're like just totally just amazing ministry there during that whole year in Las Vegas on, in a, on the staff of a very large church there. And then all of a sudden... The Lord begins stirring us again. Like, are you doing the destiny I've called you for? And we're like, oh, my goodness, let's start reviewing the words. Where did the Lord tell us he wanted us to be? We start reviewing that. We started getting stirred up in our spirit. And in the midst of that being stirred in our spirit and really seeking God, like we didn't feel like we were called forever and ever to, God didn't call us to Las Vegas to do something, like, you know, but it was like that was a kind of an interim spot. In the midst of that, we get a call, as the pastor mentioned, from Cindy Jacobs. And she said, Sergio, I have was shaken in prayer. The Holy Spirit shook me and told me to tell you, focus on the message of 100% holiness. Don't get distracted. Don't get, you know, all this stuff. And then she said, in this part, I don't even want to tell you. He said, but if you don't take this mantle... I will take it from you and give it to someone else. Wow. How long do you think it took us to change directions? Two days later, we're having lunch with the pastor, thanking him for that amazing opportunity. We set a schedule for phasing out, turning over the little pastor of the Hispanic church, and lined up everything in our life to be obedient to what God was telling us to do. We even moved again. We had just moved there for that beautiful house that they told us to come. Okay, we moved again. We downsized. We got everything, all of our business, everything set up so we would be lightweight and ready to go and to begin to travel again. 
And the other thing the Lord told us was, this time, it's not one of you, it's two of you. So the first trip that we have after we left the staff, we traveled, we went to Minnesota. We looked at each other and we said, okay, now what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to minister together? Because the Lord has always used me in the ministry of deliverance. We never had competition between our ministries. I probably don't release the fire, and he doesn't usually do much deliverance, (laughs) you know, one-on-one deliverance. But we had never really brought those two ministries together. And I said, you know, it doesn't even matter what it's going to look like, what it's going to sound like. All I know is if we leave in obedience, and if we just stand on that platform and hold hands with each other, and we begin just to be obedient. I don't even care what that looks like. We don't even know what we're going to say. We don't even know what it looks like together. And what we started realizing really quickly as we stepped up there together, I'm talking about obedience, simple obedience, right? The Lord began to break chains off of people's lives. And then once they were free, then Sergio stepped up and began to talk about the fire of God. It was like a one-two punch. It was like, so amazing what God started doing with us. We saw so many people set free. We saw so many people able to move into the next level just because kind of our simple little obedience. Anyway, I just wanted to share that word with you. And I I think that this is the year that the Lord is calling the church now into action. I mean, he's been calling us into action for about 2,000 years, but this is the year that we're going to get it. Are you about to get it? You know, I notice all over the world that Christians are getting really tired of being the audience. Have you noticed that, Pastor? It is a time for equipping, for putting on your armor. I just want to share a quick scripture, something the Lord's been sharing with me. Out of the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3. I say, this is, this is a crazy chapter. This is, you will not hear too many sermons out of the book of Zephaniah because Zephaniah is one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, I, I had an amazing opportunity during that year on staff. I actually taught in the school of ministry, and I got to teach Old Testament. So it was wonderful going back through all those books and remembering the history of Israel and how God dealt with his people and how he led them, what happened to them when they disobeyed, what happened to them when they walked in righteousness. Just amazing. But in the book of Zephaniah, this little prophet here is basically almost the whole book. He's talking about what Jerusalem is going to look like when God comes out and judgment hits it and he wipes them out. And it's like really horrible. But in chapter 3, if you want to open up chapter 3, in in verse 2, he describes the people that's going to be wiped out. And when I looked at this, something burned in my heart. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be that kind of a person. In verse 2, Zephaniah 3, 2, she obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord, and she does not draw near to her God. Wow. There's a perfect recipe for disaster in your life. So if you want success, you've got to turn that whole thing around. Become obedient people who can accept correction who trusts in the Lord and draws near to him. Verse 4 said, her prophets are arrogant. And then in verse 9, I love this part. He says, I will purify the lips 
of the peoples, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord, and listen to this, and serve him shoulder to shoulder. Wow, there it is. Purify your lips. That's that walking in holiness so that you can call on the name of the Lord. Don't go in your own strength and serve him shoulder to shoulder. And a few more verses down. I love this one in in verse 16. Talking back to Jerusalem that was going to be wiped out. He says, do not fear, O Zion, and do not let your hands hang limp. Okay, church, this is the year. Let's pick up our limp hands. Sometimes when we come face to face with people that need to be set free, that need deliverance, really a lot of times what people need basically is just to pick up their limp and their weak hands and say, I'm going to fight this thing. I am going to resist this in the name of Jesus. Someone said, oh, Sister Kathy, yeah, you have such a gift of deliverance. I said, oh, actually, I don't. He said, what? Look how many demons you cast. I said, no, I'm a believer. This is the sign that just follows me because I'm believing. It's real simple. I don't have a special gift of deliverance. I have a sign that follows me because I believe. Are there any believers in the house tonight? I'm telling you, it's time to pick up our limp hands. This is the year. This is the year. Pick up your limp hands. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a microphone. You don't have to have anything. Someone told me recently, yeah, well, you know, we really don't have too many demonized people in our church. I'm like, well, that's amazing because I have visited so many places where there are people just waiting to be set free. We were in a church where the pastor is an amazing worship leader, and what would happen is he would lead worship, and the glory of the Lord would come into that place. When you start stirring up the presence and the glory of the Lord, uh, the demonic and the demons get a little bit uncomfortable there, and they begin, you know, manifesting a little bit. But what would happen is the glory would come, they would get uncomfortable, and no one had the final word and authority to say, go. That was, I, I, love, I love the way Jesus did deliverance in the Bible. He basically, you'll, you'll notice, most of the time he used one word, right? Of course, he had all the authority in, the name, in his own name. But he said, go, and they would go. So I think the Lord this year is raising up people that will pick up their feeble hands, pick up your limp hands, and just be willing to walk with holy lips, walk in holiness, and be willing to do the work of the Lord. And God is going to use us so mightily, so powerful. I know he is. If you want to receive that word that I'm just talking about right now, and you're willing to be that little warrior for the Lord, the great thing about it is, is like I said, when that demonic thing spoke out and said, I'm more powerful than you. Oh, that's real simple. Absolutely you are. But you're not going in your own strength. So if you're willing to go this year in the strength of the Lord, I'm not even talking about, oh, if you want to get into deliverance ministry. If you're willing to get into any ministry, if you want to move now from the status of audience to a warrior, audience to a participant, audience to someone who carries the kingdom of God with you, I'm inviting you right now, stand up just right where you are. I just want to pray with you right now. Hallelujah.
Oh, Lord. Lord, look at your people here tonight. Father, I see this cry across America, especially in the churches, people that want to be used by you. I've been in conferences, Lord, where people line up across the front, and one after the other say, I just want to know how I can be used by God, how I can be used by God, how I can be used by God. So, Lord, as you look upon your people tonight, here's the volunteer army right here, God. Those who have stood right now, Lord, saying, I'm willing to, first of all, have clean lips. I'm willing to cleanse myself because I want to be used by you. Father, I ask that this would be a year of mighty impartation where people would understand the authority that they already have. It's not that you have to give them more. Father, may they understand right now. Open their understanding of the authority that they already carry. Help them, Lord, to carry the kingdom of God with them. This year, this year, Lord, strengthen the weak hands. Lord, there's many that for the first time are going to realize they can just pick up their hands. And just because they carry your authority and they carry your kingdom, God, they're going to be powerful. They're going to be mighty. They're going to bump into people and have divine appointments. They never even thought about God. And they're going to be the ones that will bring healing and that will bring deliverance and that will bring salvation. Lord, teach them how to even share the gospel this year. Teach them, Lord, how to snag people from the pits of hell and how to bring them into the kingdom of light. Oh, Lord, use them in a mighty way, God, to do great damage to the kingdom of darkness, I pray. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, not only do we want to expand your kingdom, oh God, but we want to do great damage to the kingdom of darkness, Lord. We want to turn around the trend in this nation, oh God, that instead of more people going down the ways of darkness, Lord, that we would start scooping people into the ways of light, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would even duplicate this church. Double it, Lord, this year. Double your anointing. Double your presence, Lord. May they have to have many more services and more parking, oh God, because of the presence and the glory that they're going to carry out of this place. Lord, and may your glory not just stay in this building, oh Lord. But now I ask over every person that stood up, Lord, increase their ability to carry your glory. Increase their ability, God, to walk out of here with a piece of the kingdom of God within them, Lord. Oh, Lord, even as they walk down the, the uh, aisles of Walmart, Father, may they carry the kingdom of God within them, Lord, that people would be healed even as they walk down the aisles and out in the parking lot, oh, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask that this would be the year. This would be the year, Lord, that you would transform your church. This would be the year, Lord, that you would transform your body, my God. Oh, Lord, begin to use every person now. Every person that stood up, Lord, use them in your power and for your glory, Lord. Oh, Father, we wouldn't dare touch your glory. We wouldn't dare brag on what God has done because of us. But, Lord, we brag on you. I'm so thankful for you. And, Father, may we always be like the 10th leper. Every time you do something through us, Lord, we stop and we come back and we say thank you. We say thank you, Jesus. We say thank you for your power. I say thank you for your might. I say thank you, Lord, for every time a demon flees, Lord, not because of me but because of you, Lord. It is because of you, my Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you and we praise you, God.
Wow, I'm expecting to hear amazing, great things come out of this congregation. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. Hallelujah. I just wanted to mention that we have uh, Sergio's two books, but I just, if you give me just a second to mention. We have what we call, it's not, you can have your, take your seats if you want. It's not really a devotional. We actually thought, because we, so many people had read the, the book, The Fire of His Holiness and The Twelve Transgressions. And we thought, how, what would be the next step? How could we teach them how to really, you know, they read the book, they kind of got it, but what do I do now? What's the practical application? And so we put together this kit, and we, we call this like our coaching kit. This is the 100% walk kit. And there are things in here. There's like 12 little pieces of something in there. And the idea is that it would coach you how to walk in holiness. That scripture is so powerful. I will purify. As a matter of fact, there's one more scripture in that Zephaniah chapter that says, Never again will they, will they come with unclean lips on my holy hill. He doesn't even want us up there. We don't, we don't need to walk up on the hill of God and walk in his authority if we're not clean. So this is like a little coaching. There's a, like a little po- uh, uh, card you can put in your uh, pocket to kind of like uh, a temperature thing, see if you're holy. There's, there is one CD in there where Sergio reads all the scriptures that pertain to walking in holiness before God, and it has worship music. I will tell you that CD alone is worth the whole kit. It is amazing. He reads that scripture with authority. You start listening to that, what God is going to do with those that are just and pure, that walk before their God. Anyway, it's just another resource that we're wanting to put in your hand that will coach you and teach you how to walk and, and be that powerful person that God wants you to be. The Lord bless you. It is such a pleasure to be here with you. I want to say some more things, but Sergio's got a whole lot more to say than I do. <laughs> We want to say to you that we love you. And first of all, we want to thank you for supporting us, church. Thank you for your love. Some of you that might be new to the church, you don't know the face of your missionaries, but we are <laughs> two of them. You have been supporting us, supporting us for years, monthly, faithfully. Thank you, thank you, thank you with all of our hearts. We know um, we have gone through a difficult time and for missionaries, it's difficult too, or even traveling evangelists. For churches, has been a challenge. And the fact that you could back us up, even in uh, difficult times, it matters a lot to us. We, it, it brings, uh, not only brings some finances that are, you know, that's the purpose, yeah? But also, it brings a lot of encouragement. Thank you. Thank you with all of our hearts for your support. We love you. We are partners in this. We have uh, this free newsletter back there. If you want to take one of them, and if you need to, s- if you want to sign up for receiving them every month, you can do that too. If you're tired of too many papers, we can send it to you via email. Either way, there is no cost uh, to it. And I recommend for those of you who are new to the message of holiness, or at least the 100% holiness. Some say, where do I start? Start with this, the baptism of fire. This book, I believe, will, be, will become foundational in your spirituality. And um, it, 
say that you are so busy you cannot read books anymore. Okay, <laughs> just go to the appendix and read the appendix of the books. You will have 60 scriptures challenging you to complete holiness. That's a start right there. That could, that could change your life. And then go a little bit deeper with this book, The Twelve Transgressions. This is especially for those who want to work for God, serve the Lord. Uh, believe me, there were many tears before we wrote this book. There were moments uh, almost of uh, discouragement, brokenness, because we begin to see the, the, the casualties in different churches, people well-meaning, some of them going into evangelism, and bang, uh, moral failures, financial uh, dishonesties, uh, uh, a number of things. That, and we realize that we are having too many casualties. This is not God's will. How many know that? And we have the scriptures to instruct us. So we wrote this book, 12 Transgressions, and it, it refers to 12 camouflage sins that want to infiltrate the church and mess up our leaders, our workers. So if you read this, I believe it's going to help for the Holy Spirit to vaccinate you against this kind of transgressions. Amen? Amen. We love you. Okay. Now, where do we go from here? We want to, I, I want to pray with you, okay? We're going to stand together again. It's a Sunday night, so it's more relaxed, okay? <laughs> we want to welcome the church on the internet as well, everybody that is connected. We want you to know, it looks like we talk to them only, but we talk to you as well, and the Holy Spirit is with you just like He's here. He's going to embrace you, and the same things you see here, you will see in your home or more, Amen. So just trust the Lord. Don't, now, don't, don't try to watch this and the television, you know, your favorite program together. Turn off the television. That's what I you know, suggest, you know, radio off, all that stuff, and, and just focus on what the Lord will have for us here. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. And Father Kathy and I stand together right now on this platform in your name. Lord, we brought us, you brought us a long journey since the first uh, weeks of marriage when we thought, how are we ever going to make it? And yet, Lord, you cover us and you uh, disciplined us and corrected us. And thank you, Lord, for your great mercy in our lives. And Father, I pray that same mercy flowing over our people here. Every marriage, blessed. Every family, strengthened. Every mind heal and restore in Jesus' powerful name. Thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. Lord, we have worshipped you. We have given offering. We, we praise you. you. You are our guest of honor. And we say, Jesus, come and have your own way. Have your way among us. Because we love you. Yes. We love you. We love you. We love you. And Lord, in your name, we put, put extra coverage on this beautiful evangelistic church. Thank you for every new person that has come to the Lord in the last month or so. And those who have come last year to you, bless them, Lord. I pray that the gospel will take deep root in their hearts, that nothing will distract them, that they will become servants and leaders in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and the people of God says, Amen, and Amen, and Amen. ¿Me puedes mandar la Biblia mía? 
Gracias. Okay, I'll try it. Gracias. <laughs> Aleluya. You know, your pastors, they have been sealed with fire. Uh, I believe in many occasions because they, even the, if you look at who their friends are in ministry, I mean, those are people that are dangerous for God, you know. But also, they have been in the revival in Argentina, very close to revival people and revival leaders, such as our dear friend Carlos Anacondia. So understand that what God is doing now may not be it. There might be much more yet. Amen? No, I'm not going to get into the prophetic. I try to stay away from the prophetic, okay? For a while. But God is so wonderful. And I just want to say to this loving church, make sure you're ready to continue backing up your pastors. And support them in all the aspects of their ministry. One amen maybe? Two? Three? <laughs> and in your prayers, ask the Lord to show you more of what's coming. Because God is not static. And the blessings of the past are beautiful. But God may have some new blessings. And new aspects of the ministry of this church. That have not been yet seen. How many will dare... To say a dangerous amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I want to briefly share from Scripture, from Luke chapter 3. And then we'll move on to a time of ministration. <laughs> he is here again. We love you, Lord. <laughs> Precious Holy Spirit. How many love the Lord more than yesterday, today? Yes. How many say in faith, I love Him less than tomorrow? Because tomorrow you're going to grow in love and love Him more than today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 3. We're going to read just a few verses here. Verse 3 and 4. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet. This is referring to John the Baptist. Okay? This man, some people don't understand the importance of this man. He was a hinge in the times. It was before him and after him. And Jesus gave him some of the highest compliments. This is the greatest man born of a woman up to this point. And yet whoever is in the kingdom of heaven now can be greater than him. And this was a strange man. Very uh, Talk about a prophet. He dressed like a prophet. Okay? Camel's hair and, and his diet was really strange. And yet this man was so used of God to prepare the way for the Messiah. What a privilege. In a sense, 
we all are like John the Baptist because we need to prepare the way for Jesus Christ into our homes, our neighborhoods, our jobs, our factories, schools, wherever we operate, we are the preparers of the way. Basically, we remove obstacles and get it, get it all prepared. And then Jesus comes and there is transformation. How many say yes and amen? John the Baptist. Another, another curious thing about John the Baptist, he never made miracles. I think he was Baptist. <laughs> I have Baptist friends, so that's why I probably can get away with a joke like that. And we love the entire body of Christ. My wife and I just came uh, about a month ago from ministering in an American Baptist congregation. Several, actually, several congregations coming together. It was glorious. First, we read the, state, the doctrinal statement on the way there. Driving to Chicago, we, you know, I have internet in the car. And so I opened it and I, I read in, uh, the statement of faith. And I said to my wife, why are we going here? Miracles do not happen today and things like that. Scare me. Don't let anything scare. They are bro we are brothers and sisters in the same kingdom. And when we got there, we realized, oh, Lord, your Holy Spirit is here. And they gave us some opening. Of course, the pastor wanted to check me out. It was the first time we were ministering there. It was glorious. By the last meeting, the people were coming to receive healings, hands raised, people weeping, receiving from the Lord. Wow! But I want you to know that I have tremendous respect for people that believe a little bit different than us as long as they are Christ-centered. Because there was a preacher, one of the best preachers in the New Testament, Apollos, and he was a great preacher even before he received the baptism of the Spirit. And John the Baptist, in another scripture, says that he didn't do miracles, and yet he was such a powerful man of God. So for Pentecostals, we can get confused on this. Don't get confused, because God kingdom, God's kingdom is bigger than our church. How many say yes and amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let's keep reading here. As it is written on the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. I believe this scripture is for us today. 2010 should be a, a, a year preparing the way for the Lord to just come and take over. We need a revival in America so urgent that if it doesn't come in the next 12 months, I'm not sure what's going to happen to this beautiful nation. I want you to know I'm American by choice. I was not born, <laughs> I think by this time you guessed it. I wasn't born in this land. That's how I, I got this privileged accent. I, now I cannot get rid of it. <laughs> but uh, I had the privilege at one point to decide. It was the, the opportunity was given to me to become an American citizen. And with honor, I accepted that. And we did all the paperwork. And, and we did that. But as an international, I'm very concerned for our nation. I think it is obvious that some of the decisions that are being made in Washington 
do not quite line up with the word of the Lord. And recently, um, I was so grieved to see a picture of what it will be the biggest abortion clinic in the world, and it's going to be in Houston, Texas. So we are building this pyramid to the demons and opening up the door to curses, more curses in our land. Now the people of Luengel and the call, they are, they are already targeting that. They are sending emails and saying, hey, we're going to go pray and fast. And, you know, because we love the unborn. Amen? Even John the Baptist was so touched in the womb, in his mother's womb. It means that even unborn babies can receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. And so I'm concerned. And church, there is hope. If we prepare the way for the Lord. Now you, you listen because this is, I don't have to overpromise. This passage is the promise. If we dare to do this, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for Him. Awesome things are going to happen in America. How do we do this? Verse 5 has the answer. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill may low. The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. And then comes the promise. This is one of the shortest verses and one of the biggest promises in the Bible. Can you, can you read it with me in your version? And all mankind will see God's salvation. That's big promise. And it refers, first of all, to the coming of Jesus and to his crucifixion. Because he said... When the Son of Man is lifted up, He will attract all people to Himself. And it was fulfilled first in Christ. I believe there is another fulfillment. The latter rain. The great revival that is going to come on this earth. Because the, before the closing day of Jesus Christ. God has so much mercy on this dark world that He yet plans to send another revival. And all mankind will see God's salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we wish they will all be saved. But at least they will see it. Many people are not saved today because they haven't seen it. But there will be a point when the church prepares the way for Jesus to our cultures, to our homes, to our unsaved relatives. It is the gospel is undeniable. The gospel is so strong and so different. But there is a lot of confusion out there. A lot of people say, well, we, we live in the days of tolerance in America. And you know, there is, we, we cannot say there's only one way to God. Come on. Can we? But many are believing, hey, there are universalism is beginning to plague some churches. And, 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 and many ways to, to, to get to the same God. What do we do with Jesus who said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And, and just in case we didn't get the message, he said, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus never shared category with anyone else. Buddha would not be in that category. Joseph Smith cannot. Any modern or old initiator of a religion cannot even compare to the one that said, you will kill me, and in three days I'm going to rise up, and he fulfilled his word. No one, no one, 
Jesus is in a category of his own because he is the precious, sinless Son of God. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we got to have the doctrine clear. The basics. Otherwise, how can we prepare the way for the Lord? Some people say, well, that's a, you know, I tried to preach, but they told me they also believe in God, but in a different way through another Savior. Don't get confused. There is no salvation except in Jesus Christ. We have what the world needs. And if you're in that doubt, one of, one of the ways in my teenage years, because I grew up in, a, in the Christian church. I mean, uh, before I was born, my father was a pastor already. So I didn't have a chance to, you know, just try a lot of things. And sometimes when you grow up in church, you can start taking it for granted and say, well, maybe this is one church, but maybe there are. And I, I went through that period. One of the things that brought me to conviction is when I saw the demonic manifesting. I remember the first time I see a few people demonizing. Well, what is this? And I ran to the opposite corner of the church. I didn't run out of the building because I was curious enough to stay. But I was terrified. And my father will go with the peace of God and with all authority and cast out the demons. And the person will be completely free. When I saw that change, I said, wow, I better believe that there is a heaven, there is hell, there are angels, there are demons, and there is the power of God. Jesus said, if you don't believe me because of my words, believe me because of the works I do. There is a, there is a time when the, the gospel becomes so evident that doubts fade out. Amen? And I pray that even tonight that will happen. Hallelujah! Prepare the way for the Lord. And there is a big promise. All America will see God's salvation. Could America see God's salvation even in a day? Oh, sure. And we had some uh, means to do that too. CNN, Fox News, other networks. They could come and film the revival anywhere or the revivals in America. And suddenly people will be exposed. And they say, what do we do with Jesus? Now, recently, America was confronted again with the Lord Jesus Christ in the last week. When uh, uh, Brett Hume from Fox News, he expressed very clearly his, his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, whoa, that was politically incorrect. <laughs> whoa, he must lose his job. But it is an honor to lose the job. If you do, after you spread the message all over America, again. America, God has a plan for your life. <laughs> so don't lose hope. Revival, as a, as, a, as a Baptist revivalist, Del Fessenfeld Jr., now with the Lord, he used to say, as long as God is in his throne, revival is as possible as the sun rising tomorrow morning. How many know God's still in his throne? And an over-coast-to-coast revival is possible. Yes? Amen? Matter of fact, our, as my wife shared, our own ministries have been kind of um, uh, transformed recently in the last month and a half because of this, taking the message, preparing the way for the Lord. We were kind of comfortably working in three churches, pastoring in three churches. And the Lord, and we like it. Honestly, it was beautiful, but the Lord 
in that case, pull us out so that we can come and challenge you tonight and many others and say, get the fire, get the power of God, because we are going to change the United States of America. We have what it takes. We have the answer. If there wouldn't be church in America, I move out of here quickly before judgment comes. But there are two elements in this nation that I know that gives us hope. The church and the Holy Spirit. When you have those two ingredients, there is hope for that nation. How many say yes and amen? Hallelujah. How do we prepare the way for the Lord? Verse 5. First of all, it says, every valley shall be filled in. Valleys are difficult. It represents difficult moments. I remember being on a valley years ago. To be honest, I thought I would never come out of it. I was so depressed. Depressed to death. I don't, I, to this day, I don't know where the depression came from. But I, you know when you have it. Because you can hardly function. I remember I have written the whole uh, thesis for a final examination. That was my thesis. And at a certain time in the day, all I have to do is walk two blocks and present it to my teacher. But I was depressed. And I sat on the floor and I looked at the thesis and I said, I have to walk two blocks and just do this. And I wept and I sat and my whole morning was gone and 1 p.m. came and went, and I missed the deadline. That's depression. Eventually, I went to that professor, and how many believe there's grace? And I told him, I said, I promise it was ready before, but I, I couldn't come. And he said, okay, we'll accept it anyway, a day or two later. But depression can paralyze you. And I was depressed one day, one month, and more and more and more. So I began to think, this is never going to leave me. And I began to think of, okay, what's my background? I, I didn't consider in the times of depression that my father is a powerful preacher and a servant of the Lord and a man of faith. No, no, no. Because when you're depressed, you've got to find something negative. So I started looking up, okay, my great-grandfather was drunk. My other grandfather, a violent man, and this person, and this, and this one went to a mental institution, and this. Well, when I begin to look at my family tree, I came to a conclusion. This depression will never leave me. There is a problem when you make conclusions about your life based on your family tree. The best conclusions come when you're based on this book. Yeah. Amen? This is our foundation. So in the midst of that, time later, the Lord speaks to me. And he said, I did not give you depression as part of the package of the gospel. And that day I wrote a little sign and I put it on my university dorm, right, in my, in my room. And the sign said, in the name of Jesus, I reject depression from my life. And I remember my friends would come and say, whoa, that's a bold statement you're making. I was not ashamed. God already told me he was going to heal me. So I stopped becoming a friend of my sadness. I will tell you, Christians, some people, just like there are people that embrace the bottle of alcohol. And they, they, for them, they, they depend on that. Some people embrace depression. They say, depression, since I cannot get rid of you, 
uh, I better get used to live with you the rest of my life. But the Bible tells me different. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Bible says Jesus came to give us life and life abundant. I remember the night I, I was looking towards the ceiling, another night of insomnia and sadness. And I said, Lord, forgive me. And I could feel my tears running down my face. Forgive me for asking you this. Because I was not a backslider, but I was still depressed. Forgive me for asking you this, but I, I hope tomorrow I will not wake up. Now, how sad can you be when you're on your 20s praying that way? I'm going to speak to, the, to those who are fighting depression, to those who have an inexplicable sadness, and you carry that anguish in your soul. Tonight, you will be set free from your depression. The Lord has sent me here for you to be free. When I began to reject from my life depression, the Lord began to heal me gradually. My faith was so weak, but he began to heal me. One day he told me, you're completely healed from your depression, and I will use you to heal the broken heart. No more valley of depression. And you know, since then, the Lord has used us, and we have tested precious testimony. People with panic attacks completely healed. People with thoughts of suicide and death completely healed. People in depression for months or years completely healed. The same one that heals our bodies can heal our emotions. Yes. How many say yes and amen? Yeah. Every valley shall be filled in. Some people are in the valley of depression. Some others are on other valleys. The valley of suicide. In many of our meetings we call people, even in the midst of the sermon, we interrupt, the Holy Spirit interrupts sermons to call those who are thinking of leaving the meeting right there to kill themselves. Because the devil likes to come to church until the power of God increases and then they flee. Then they go. I remember we, I, I made it late because of a, a plane, a delay on the plane to, uh, to um, uh, 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 Bucaramanga, Colombia. And it was a denominational meeting. All leaders, pastors from many regions, a very protocol-oriented meeting. And the, because I was there late, because of this uh, delay on the plane, the leader, the superintendent, gave me the microphone and he told me, you got nine minutes to preach. Nine minutes. So you know what I did? I began to preach very fast. <laughs> and as I was preaching... I could hear a voice. I wasn't sure which voice it was, but I stopped preaching. And I tried to preach more. The voice got so strong in my soul that I, I could hardly think what I was saying. So I told the people, I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm not going to preach anymore. And since I didn't know what we were going to do, I said, let's pray. And then the Holy Spirit tells me, call now the leaders that are thinking of suicide and that have been hearing voices while you were preaching. That's pretty specific. I was scared because the welcome was not that warm into that conference for me. And the time was not there. And uh, many factors that told me, uh, be careful what you say and what you do here. But I have to obey the Holy Spirit. 
I thought, who's going to come forward? They're all leaders, all pastors. So I closed my eyes. Anyone that had been hearing voices of death or suicide while I was preaching, come forward. When I opened my eyes, there were more than 60 leaders there out of hundreds that came. The power of God hit the place. And a mass deliverance and healing took place that night. The rest is history. The things that happened in me, I could stay here and tell you the more, more, more and more. How those superintendents that were on that platform so formal, the power of God had us all. None of us could stand. Prepare the way for the Lord. Every valley shall be filled in, including the valley of suicide. Many Christians, they feel so guilty. And the enemy tries to use scripture against them. And they go home and they say, I should kill myself. I'm not worth anything. That's not Christianity. Jesus came to give you life. And life abundant. Let's fill in every valley. Amen. I remember this young lady. Well, we actually, we, it, it was in Argentina, I called to repentance, and hundreds came and weeping, and it was a scandal over there at the altars. Okay. But then we all repented, and we were rejoicing, except this young lady. She was like laying there weeping bitterly, and I kept hearing her weeping and weeping and weeping. I thought, that is strange, because the Holy Spirit already moved on, and He's bringing peace and joy to the people so eventually I asked her why are you still crying and she said pastor I don't know if God can forgive me I had four abortions I don't know that God could forgive me I realized she didn't understand the message of holiness it's not our holiness it's his holiness in us so I called one of the ladies in the church that my wife and I know very well one of those ladies that like to hug people and talk and, you know, can you come and give this young lady a hug? So she stood up and received that hug. And as she was receiving the hug, I told this young lady, just like this sister is hugging you, so the Lord is hugging you and receiving you. She stopped crying. She understood the message of holiness. She came out of the valley of guilt and shame. Jesus paid the price for our past. How many say yes and amen? There is hope. There is forgiveness. Every valley shall be filled in. Some others are in the valley of unforgiveness. Everything else they can do in the Christian life. They can give tithe. They can give 20% if you ask them. Anything. They are generous. They are loving. Except... When they remember the person they hate. Many people are in the valley of unforgiveness. I remember this young mother came to our church at one time. We were praying, you know, in the joy of the Lord, just ministering. When I get close, got close to her to pray, she uh, uh, hardened her fist. And I realized that's not a good sign. And this was not a move by faith. It was just in case I I stood back a little bit. And yes, she was full of rage and hatred against me. I didn't know who she was. 
and she tried to head me. Then the deacons came and the ushers and held her. And I spoke to the evil spirit that was causing her to become so violent. And she was set free. I remember she could raise her hands. I thought, she's free. So I kept praying for other people. A few moments later, I see a turmoil, and she was trying to hit the ushers. Suddenly, she became violent again. I thought, that is strange. If the Son of God sets you free, He sets you free indeed, not just for a minute. So I went back, and I took authority, and the oppression that was over her left, and you could see the change. So I kept praying for other people. I thought, now we got the victory. Guess what? Yes. And by this time, I ran out of ideas. So the ushers were holding her. She was violent again. I saw her raising her hands, praising the Lord. I thought, that she's completely free. And so I walked, this time I walked very slowly. Holy Spirit, I don't have a clue what to say to her. Help me. What is this? Help me, Lord. And as I stood in front of her, this question came from my heart. Tell me, who do you hate? And she said, I hate my ex-husband. He used to come and beat me up and beat up my little daughter. I hate him. I said, you must stop hating him. She said, never. I said, why not? She said, because I don't want him to come back to my home. I said, I didn't, I didn't ask you to invite him back to your home. You will go through counseling. But what you need to do is to let go of the hatred. Because every time you remember your husband, the same oppression that you have comes back to you. Do you see the hatred and the unforgiveness? It was like a door that could be opened any time. To the enemy. And the enemy will come and create turmoil again. Many people don't understand. Lord, I, I receive so much in church. Why do I? Why am I in such a rage again against my family? Perhaps because there is unforgiveness. There is some offense they did against you. And you didn't have the strength to say, I let go in Jesus' name. I'm not going to hate you. Well, when I told her what she needed to do. She accepted that. And she began to repeat this prayer semi-calmly with me. And at one moment, she was not repeating. She did her own prayer. And she said, Lord, I ask you to forgive my ex-husband and to save him. At that moment, I knew she is free forever. And it, that's what happened. They start coming to church. Their little daughter will come and give me a hug every time. Their faces full of joy. I was not scared of this lady anymore. <laughs> every valley shall be filled in, including the valley of unforgiveness. Let me ask you the question to you. And I have people in my heart. I hated them. One of the hardest things to live at the altar was hatred. There were people I truly hated. One of them, my uncle. And the Holy Spirit asked me to pray for him for more than two decades. I, real, I didn't realize that I didn't want to pray for him 
because I wasn't sure I wanted to see him in heaven. <laughs> he was a militant atheist. He was uh, from the Marxist philosophy. He hated us. And the things that he would say to my family and to my parents, eventually I say, I, I don't want to have anything to do with this man. All the jokes about churches, and he knew it all. And he could laugh at anything. Sometimes I was watching, when is this man going to fall dead with the things he said? Oh, no, he was strong and sure of himself. And every now and then I tried to preach the gospel to him. And, he, you know, some of the words he said, I cannot reproduce here in the pulpit. And the Holy Spirit told me to pray for him. So I let go of the resentment. Of all those years when he will come and ruin family meetings. I let go. I let go. I, let, I forgive. I have to forgive a thousand times, okay? I let go. That's why I can be preaching this precious gospel now. Otherwise, my ministry will probably be over. I will be bitter somewhere in the corner. Some of you, in a few minutes, will need to come to this altar and bring the hatred, the offense, the resentment. Now, there is another thing that is harder to forgive than to, you know, people that are just blasphemous or atheists or that hate the, the church. It's Christians that fail you. Christians that hurt you. And there are many Christians holding resentment against other Christians. They just move to another church. If I don't see you anymore, I don't hate you, but I don't want to see you ever again. Well, that's for sure you don't love him either. And God wants to heal our hearts. Church, we cannot carry that kind of junk and think we're going to change this land. So we are going to open the altars in a few minutes. And anyone that has resentment in their hearts, bring it with you. Don't leave it in the seat and come and enjoy and then pick it up. when you. No, 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 no. Bring the resentment. Bring the hatred. Bring the ugly sin. Bring it, bring it. And we're going to leave it at the feet of the cross. How many say yes and amen? It's a new day. It's a new year. Happy new year. Hallelujah. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill, that's the second key. Every mountain and hill may low. The mountains can represent the opposite of the va valley. The valley is depression. The mountain is pride, arrogance. I remember one day a visiting preacher was coming to our city. I took my Greek New Testament to hear him preach and to compare his doctrine with the New Testament. I was so full of theology and knowledge, you know, and hermeneutics, homiletics, all those hard words to pronounce, but I was full of it. And the man came. I don't remember what he preached because I remember finding details, mistakes, things he said, oh, this would have been translated better this way. You know how I left that place? As empty as I walked in. Because there is a law, a spiritual law you and I cannot change. God resists the proud. If you have a critical spirit, a critical heart, you need to come to this altar too. We need to repent. We need, church, it's very hard to resist a critical spirit. It ruins a family. It can destroy marriages. It can, it, it can break the will of children. 
And I, I could tell you many stories about that, uh, things that the Lord purged in our own lives. Sometimes the more we are in Christianity, we tend to become tense Christians. How many tense Christians here? I didn't say intense, tense. Tense Christianity is the kind that you really want to take the Bible and bang it over their heads. It's the kind that they tell you something and you have a scripture ready. It's like an arrow. Bang! And your family is going, whoa, here comes another word from the Lord. With our love, with our understanding, with our compassion. Dangerous Christians. Dangerous Christians. And so, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we got to leave this at the feet of the cross. Amen. Yeah, there have been times when we also were in that mountain of criticism. I remember my teenage son one day coming from school so excited. He banged on the door. I mean, just, he didn't walk into the living room. He stormed into the house. I think he probably was running and just kept running, just banged the door, flew the door open and just came to the living room to tell me something excited. And I look at him and say, you left the door open. So he went and closed the door and said, Dad, let me tell you. I knew he was excited to tell me something. But I said, son, your shoelaces are untied. I'll never forget how this kid told me a lesson. He quietly bent, tied his shoe, and quietly left the living room and didn't tell me what was he going to tell me? And I felt like, an, like a fool. Because I missed a beautiful opportunity of an excited young man that was coming to daddy to tell him something. Why did I miss it? Because of details. When we are up there in that mountain, we sure care for details. And Jesus spoke about that in Matthew 23, 23 and 24. He said, you hypocrites, you, you are straight out a gnat. All the versions says, in the Hispanic version says, the mos a mosquito. You collate, you, you strain out a, a little gnat, gnat and swallow a camel. You are so detailed, he told the Pharisees of those days. They were very religious, all right. So perplexed, so intense about details of the law. And you don't help my people. You don't help the people to carry their loads. You have neglected the most important things, which is mercy and justice, righteousness. When we become compulsive Christians, we begin to make serious mistakes because we lose our temper very quickly. If you are quickly offended, maybe you need to read Matthew 23, 23, and 24. And say, Lord, there are details that irritate me. Change my character. Fill me with compassion. So many people have, they, they are, they are uh, compulsive perfectionists. Now, I admire people that are organized, okay? Uh, that's not my natural gift. I wasn't born with that gift. Okay, but there are some people, I have friends that they are organized. I, I, I watch the way they do things, and I admire it. If I do the same thing, I leave a trail of uh, things behind, you know. No, they are, 
they, they pick up as they go. I said, it's just fantastic. I'm not talking against, against order or organization. But we are talking here from this scripture about people that are perfectionists. And they get irritated at the most trivial detail. And they miss the blessing. You can go to any church today, even those who are full of the Spirit like this one, and still find mistakes. And if you just focus on the mistake, you miss the blessing. You miss the joy. You don't grow. You get bitter. You get upset. You want to change everybody around you. Some people are still looking for the perfect church. It was Dr. Billy Graham that said, if you found the perfect church, please don't join it. You will wreck it. We are all imperfect. How many imperfect people we have in the house? Two of us, three. Uh, let me ask you again. I'm not sure about your church anymore. How many imperfect people? Imperfect. Oh, you understand? Okay. Do I have an accent or something? Okay. How many imperfect servants of the Lord we have in the house? Oh, thank you, Lord. I'll stay. I'll stay. Welcome to humankind. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And then in the third place, the crooked roads shall become straight. This is another form, another way to prepare the way for the Lord. Crooked roads, we have many of them. And we need to make it straight. I remember this young guy in Tennessee. After we preached the message of holiness, I was waiting for a few seconds to see what the Lord would tell me, how to go on in the meeting. And this young guy comes running from the back of the auditorium full speed. I saw him take off. So I kept my eyes open, just in case. Full speed. But when he comes near the platform, he falls on his knees, raises his hand, and begins to scream. He said, God, I... My wife is very sick, and I wanted her to die so I could marry someone else. Forgive me, Lord. Do not bypass me. And he started praying for revival. Well, the place broke loose. People started coming to the platform and taking the musicians' microphones, confessing sins out loud for more than an hour and a half. I was looking at the pastors to see if they would put some order in the meeting. No, they were rejoicing. It was a revival meeting. But this young man decided that every, every twisted, every, every road, every crooked road shall be made straight in his life. He did not commit physical adultery, but he had emotional adultery. He was lusting over another woman while waiting that his own wife would die. That's unfaithfulness in the, in, in, in the, in the soul. And the book of Micah talks about it. And it says, do not be unfaithful to the, your, the wife of your youth. There is an emotional adultery besides the physical adultery. I'm going to talk to the men here in this room. And women rejoice. <laughs> men of God, we got to be faithful to our family, to our wives. Faithful, morally faithful. And our minds are not an exception. Some people think, well... Alisa, if, if I'm, I keep married, but I can watch some pornography. That's unfaithfulness. That's dishonest. 
that pollutes your marriage and your habits. And instead of bringing more joy to your home, it brings a lot of tears and often uh, family breakdown. Every crooked road shall be made straight. Do you have a vice or an addiction? Every crooked road. Do you have a shameful habit? Today, in Jesus' name, at these altars, every addiction will fall. We will walk out of this place in a freedom that some of you never knew before. Because the power of the resurrected Jesus is here to set the captives free. I can guarantee you, friend, there is no addiction that has more, more power than the fire of God. Amen? And finally, the rough ways shall be made smooth. Rough ways can be compared with rough character. Some people have a temper. Anybody has a temper here? You can raise if you. Okay. If you have a temper, you know what I mean. I remember driving on the city, city of Buenos Aires. You need all the fruit of the Spirit to drive in that city. And I'm driving in this avenue just minding my own business. And this owner of a car comes and just, he knew what he was doing. I was so enraged. But see, I'm a Christian. So I couldn't lower the window and tell him. <laughs> couldn't. So I put my evangelical face. And I kept driving. But I was, in my heart, I was hoping for justice. I was hoping that he would have an accident in the next traffic light. That's having a problem with your character. And I have to submit over and over again my character to Jesus. You know, you think you have a nice character and then you get married. You know, in my home, I will get away with a few things. You know, I get upset at my mom and I wait till she goes and then I bang the door. And sometimes I, with my fist, I bang that door. A huge door. We live in a no house. Those doors, I mean, you couldn't break them for anything. Habits, reactions, things that are not quite under the blood. Little things maybe. But then I got married. And one day we had an argument with my wife. And she argued with me at my level. <laughs> it didn't matter if I showed scriptures, she knows scriptures too. So I was so angry, so upset. So I left the conversation quietly. Again, my evangelical face, Christian. But what I had in my heart. I could not control. And on the way to my dorm, to my, to my room, I saw that door in front of me. And the old me came. And I banged that door in anger. This time I was not living in Argentina. And the door was not solid wood. It was one of those American doors that are very light, you know. <laughs> More paint than door. And as I banged it, 
the hole that I made was this big. Exaggerate. I mean, my hand is not that big, but the hole was this big. And this was a theological institution where we were staying at. <laughs> Learning Greek and Hebrew and Bible. And when I look at the damage I did, I think I grew pale. And I was scared. It's very scary to live a life when you have one area that is out of control. So I begin to pray. And pray and pray with tears. Lord, change my character. Control me. Help me. Do not let me terrify my wife with doing things like this. And by the grace of God, and my wife is here as a witness, my character has changed. And every day I want to be more like him. My goal is so high, I can't get proud. Because every day we are getting closer and closer to the character of Jesus Christ. That's holiness. Growing with Him is the 100% walk. Becoming more like Jesus. In 2010, we're going to be more holy than in 2009. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The rough ways shall become smooth. Let me close with this. It was the first few weeks of our marriage. And I, I decided I wanted to change my wife uh, quickly. So that I will get that done. So I would tell her everything that I saw wrong, plainly, directly, you know, confrontational, like my family is. But for Kathy, this was hurting her. It was hard. And any mistake, I would see immediately, quickly, because I have the, you know, when you have the gift of exhortation, you got to use it. It got to a point, it was very tense in our marriage. One day, she was brushing her teeth in front of a mirror. And I happened to walk into the bathroom and I look at her. I remember thinking I shouldn't say anything. I knew things were tense. But when, again, when you have the gift of criticism, you can hardly wait to use it. <laughs> and I said, Kathy, that's not the way to brush your teeth. Didn't help my marriage a bit. <laughs> she looked at me inst with instant tears. I, didn't, I don't know how... Someone can start weeping in one second. Instant tears in her eyes. And she said, now you're going to show me how to brush my teeth? And then she said, we need to go to a counselor. How humiliating. I'm a teacher of the world. Going to counseling, I could teach that lesson. I could give that course. I'm prepared to do that. She insisted and insisted that we needed to go to counseling. I said, fine, we'll go once. We'll see. And we went there, and we let this man know that we didn't have money. It was going to be only one time. And he said, don't worry about it. I won't charge you. First bad news. <laughs> and then he started ministering to us. One day, my wife was in tears. And she said, my husband corrects me in everything. And the counselor, a pastor, a man of God, probably by, through the Holy Spirit said, Sister, don't tell me your husband even tells you how to brush your teeth. She said, yeah! <laughs> so there we went, week after week. One day in counseling, I thought, God must have a sense of humor. 
here's this, well, my wife who is American, here's this Argentine, and the Lord brings me a Chinese pastor to do counseling. <laughs> How international can get? And this man kept listening. And I noticed in those times, I, I tried to just hold some of my, you know, honor something, just save something. But my wife was so free. She would tell him everything. There were times I was just looking to the floor. And th I thought, this will be over soon. Well, we start growing in our dialogue, learning many things that this man taught us. And one day he said, you won't need me anymore. But I want to ask you a favor. Sure, yes. Would you let me support your ministry? Friend, that was the surprise of my life. This man that knew all of our arguments and pity fights and all that, he wants to support my ministry for 12 years, every month. He backed us up financially. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. We humble ourselves. We said, our marriage is not good right now. Help us. And He did. And the Holy Spirit is coming now to heal many. Families are going to be healed. Thoughts are going to be changed, transformed, realigned with the Word of God. People are going to come out of valleys, come down from mountains of arrogance or pride. God is going to do it. Let's stand together. Lord, we love you. Wonderful Savior, wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Whoa! His presence is here. The gospel, it does not consist of words, but of power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's praise him, church. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for giving us always another chance. Now purge away our sin. Purify our minds, our character, our habits, our hearts. Cleanse us, Lord. Holiness, holiness, holiness. In Jesus' name. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus is here. Are you ready to respond to the word of the Lord? How ready are we, church, to say, Lord, I know I'm on your ways, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian or kind of a Christian, but I really want to be like Jesus. I want to be transformed today. I want to go back home a new person. Come and transform me, Lord. Yes, yes, many are going to win their relatives to Jesus Christ because of this change of character in you. They're going to see Christ in you. They're going to say, I like what you have now. I didn't like your old religion, but I like you now. Whoa! Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, I pray that you will send thousands of angels to this room right now to assist us, to encourage us, to help us as we make holy decisions before you. 
Have mercy on us, Lord, one more time. Come and change us, transform us, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We praise you, Lord, we praise you. Whoa! Waves of the power of God right now. We speak to disillusion. We speak to disappointments, offense. We speak to offended spirits. In Jesus' name, it's a new day. It's a new day. It's a night of transformation. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. He's going to do the awesome work. He does the miracles. Just prepare your heart. Say yes in your heart to the Lord. Say, Lord, when the call comes, I will go. I'm not going to delay. I'm not going to argue with you or with your word, Lord. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to do what you call me to do. I will be obedient to your call. Revival is coming. The church is getting ready. my depression is not a sin okay then let's pray for healing my panic attacks I don't believe they're sin no there might be a chemical imbalance in your body that causes that how many believe Jesus can heal our emotions can heal our minds everyone who is in the valley just walk from your seat and come forward Depression must go. Thoughts of suicide will go. Panic attacks will go. Come. For those of you who are still struggling whether or not, trying to decide whether or not you even have the strength to forgive, 
I just want to remind you, the first step to forgiving someone is a decision. You can decide to forgive. Now, there will be an emotional process that will follow through. Sometimes there are wounds from years ago, but I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> the minute you say, Lord, I choose to forgive my offender. The minute you let the other person off the hook is the minute that you let yourself off the hook. It is so powerful. Even this morning, there was a young girl that was in the altar and she was being shaken around. And I said, when did this start? When did this heaviness and this oppression begin on your life? She said, I was abused by my father since I was a small child. I said, are you ready to forgive him? I don't think I can. I can't. I said, could you, could you at least make the decision that you want to forgive him? Yes. When she was able to make that decision, basically saying, I don't know how to do this. It's so huge. But I choose to forgive. I choose to let them go free. She let herself go free. And I am telling you, one after the other, the minute the unforgiveness went, the hatred went. The bitterness went. The vengeance went. Everything that was holding her captive was just... She left that place completely free by the power of God. So I just want to encourage you, even if you feel you don't have the strength to forgive the whole thing, if you can make the first decision, I choose to forgive, inviting you to come forward. Yes, everybody who is in the valley of unforgiveness, come forward right now. Just, we have to become like children to receive the kingdom of heaven. We, can, we have to be simple, not complicated. Come, come, if that's your need. If there has been a wound, an offense that cannot, has not been completely healed and under the blood. If you still hold resentment, come, 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 come. Jesus loves you. He's going to help you. He's going to give you the strength. Make that decision to come forward right now. We're going to invite also those who need to have their ways straight. All the crooked ways shall be made straight. If there is sin in your life and you need to make right with God, run to the altar right now. Just come. Just come. Any vice, any addiction, any shameful habit, Jesus can forgive it. That's part of the gospel. Church, we're going to be preaching this to the unbelievers. We may as well enjoy it ourselves too. There is forgiveness. There is hope. Come. Anyone that has sin in your life, that have been unresolved, any vice, any chronic sin, any bondage, any area of shame, come bring it to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to invite also those who have problems with their temper. If your character is out of control, it's going to be wonderful when the Lord embraces you at this altar. How many want to have the character of Jesus? And if you're not headed that way, just come right now to the altars. Come, Jesus will transform your character. Holy Spirit, we ask for freedom in this house. Come, Holy Spirit, come, break every yoke. Break every yoke. Break every yoke, my Lord. Every sickness, every bondage. I declare it broken through the cross of Jesus Christ. Power, 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 power. 
freedom in this house. Freedom in this house. Freedom in this house. Keep praying, keep praying at this altar. Keep receiving. Oh God. Help us, Lord. Church, help us pray, 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 pray. Help us, Lord. It's going to be a prayer of faith to heal and restore. Amen. God is already doing stuff here. It's beautiful. If you are struggling whether you should come or not, just come. Just come. I'm going to pray a prayer of freedom so that no one will stay captive. We know this thing, friend. There are times one foot wants to go forward, the other wants to stay. And there is a struggle there. No more struggle. We're going to pray. Church, will you help me pray? Everyone, intercessors, leaders, pastors, servants, every, everyone, pray, 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 pray. Let's begin to intercede for complete freedom. Everyone who needs to make a decision at this altar to be free to come. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We declare that the kingdom of heaven is here. We declare open heavens over this church. We declare right now that nothing can prevent us from coming to the feet of the cross. In Jesus' name, we bind captivity. We cast it out. I bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God in this place. Freedom. 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 Freedom in this house. Are you ready to pray? Every one of these altars, let's repeat together this prayer of faith. Nothing is impossible for our God. Amen. I'm going to invite you to repeat it with all your strength as we lift up our hands to heaven. Please repeat after me and say, Father God, I came to this altar to make things right with you. Now Jesus, set me free from the valley of sadness. Everyone who has come here because of depression, suicide, suicidal thoughts, fear, fear of death, continue to repeat now. In Jesus' name, I'm walking out of this valley because Jesus has called me to be set free. I renounce to my depression. I renounce to my sadness. I renounce to panic attacks. 
My life belongs to Jesus who came to give me abundant life. I receive it now. I receive it now. I receive your healing now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Okay, now we're going to do a prayer of renouncing. And this is one of the simplest things you can do. When you realize there's an area of bondage in your life, many times just by saying, I renounce this and I don't want this in my life, it's amazing how that thing will loosen up and it's ready to be cast out. The Bible tells us, do not give the devil a foothold. What does that mean? That means you actually have the ability to give him the foothold. You actually have a place to build him a little stand where he can come and stand in your life and you can actually give a foothold to anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, bondage. You open doors and you let that stuff in. So when you say, I no longer want this in my life, I renounce this thing in my life, I don't want it here, I'm tearing down every foothold that's come in. It just breaks the legal contract. You, you just take the little stand away, and then it's so easy to say, and now go in the name of Jesus, okay? So we're just going to do a, a quick prayer of renouncing. For whatever you came up here for, you know what you came forward for. So I'm just going to lead through some prayers. If this is, if it, it's something that, that you came forward for, go ahead and repeat that. Just say it out loud. You might want to say, I renounce to my anger. I renounce to bitterness. I I choose to forgive. If you have an offender, someone that offended you, you need to forgive, say their name. I choose to forgive so-and-so tonight. I'm letting them go free. I renounce to unforgiveness. I renounce to bondage. I renounce to my addiction. I renounce. Whatever it is you came forward for, I renounce to my pride. That's a big one. That's a hard one to dislodge in many Christians. I renounce to my pride. I renounce to my critical spirit. I renounce to arrogance. I renounce to strife. I renounce to division in my marriage. I renounce to talking about divorce. I renounce, renounce, renounce. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. You know, demons don't have the ability to read your mind. They're not omnipotent, omniscient. They can't read what you're thinking. They like to make you think they can. They can't. So you just say it out loud. I don't want you in my life anymore. I'm done with it. This is a year of victory. I renounce to my addictions. I renounce to my hatred. I renounce to my anger. Okay, did you do that? Did you do your prayer of renouncing? Now it's so easy. Now it's so easy. The book of James says, resist the devil and he will flee. So now we're just going to do a simple prayer of resisting. We're going to use that authority that we have. That authority that we have. And the Lord is coming now to set many of you free. Many of you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, you are so powerful, Lord. Jesus, you are so mighty, Lord. Every time you walk through the villages, Lord, every time you walk through the towns, things happen, Lord. People were set free. People were set free. People were healed. The captives were set free, Lord. You did miracles. You multiplied resources. Oh, God, we're just counting on that tonight. We're counting on that tonight in the name of Jesus. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak. Did you renounce to your depression? 
I renounce to my depression. Say that. I renounce to the sadness. I renounce to anguish. Whatever comes to your mind, okay, be sure you renounce to it because I'm getting ready to tell it all to leave. We just want it loosened out, okay? Now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and with the authority of the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of depression now to leave this building. Leave every person that's here. All sadness, go in the name of Jesus. Spirit of anguish, go in the name of Jesus right now. Spirit of bondage, I bind you. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. All bondage, go in the name of Jesus. Spirit of addiction, go in the name of Jesus. Spirit of hatred, go in the name of Jesus. Come out. Yes, yes, pray, 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 pray. Go in the name of Jesus. I resist you in the name of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit of witchcraft, I bind you and I cast you out. Generational curses, you are canceled now in the name of Jesus. You are canceled now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. There is authority in this house. There is authority. Church, help us. Stretch your hands towards them now. We're going to bless them. Everyone can, praying for the people here at this house. Don't altar. lay hands on people. In Jesus' name, stretch, just hands stretch your hands right now. Hands We're going to intercede right in their favor. In there are, we, we, we need to see more breakthroughs, miracles here. God is at work. God is at work. Help us. Help us, church. And your ministry will increase. Your faith will increase as you're interceding for them. Call on the name of the Lord. Come on, let's turn this into a mighty prayer meeting. We pray in Jesus' name. We pray for freedom. 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 Every chain is being broken right now. Every addiction is being broken right now. By the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Out, 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 out in Jesus' name. Freedom. 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 Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Freedom. 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 Authority. 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 Now in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name. In the name of Christ Jesus. There is freedom in your presence. 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 There is freedom in His presence. There is freedom in His presence. Freedom flow now. There is
Jesus in this place. He loves us so much, so intensely. Oh God, help us now, help us. Before we pray for the fire of holiness to fall on all of us, we're going there. But there are yet some barriers. I need to pray for people that have been struggling with death. Christianity is a culture of life. I want to tell you God loves you. If you have been hearing voices that say, kill yourself, you're not good. That's never the voice of the Holy Spirit. God loves you so much, He sent His own Son, Jesus, to die in your place. You don't have to be tormented with those voices. Tonight is the night of your freedom. We're going to open these altars and I'm going to call people that are struggling with thoughts of death, struggling with thoughts of suicide. How many of you have been struggling with that? Raise your hand recently. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you. In Jesus' name. If you have been struggling with thoughts of suicide, the spirit of life is here. Jesus is here. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for complete freedom in this house. We are your people. We are your army. Heal us. Restore us in Jesus' name. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom in the name of the Lord. Freedom in this house. There's going to be joy in this house. There's going to be victory in this house. I decree it in the name of our Lord. Freedom in this house. In Jesus' name. Satan, we give you an eviction notice. Your time is running out. The 
this church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ and is under the blood of Jesus. Come out in Jesus' name. We resist you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. Now everyone that has been struggling with thoughts of suicide without even, without even wavering at all, just come here. I know you're there. I know you need this. Come. Those who have been struggling with thoughts of suicide, give, give a clap to the Lord because the Lord is bringing them to be set free. God is in this house setting the captives free. And there are more. The Lord tells me there are more. God loves us so much, He can delay a meeting for you and for me. He loves us. There are more. Father, again, I pray for complete freedom in this house. I declare thousands of angels touching people. And anyone that has been oppressed, depressed, tormented with thoughts of death, suicide, fear of death, fear that something terrible is about to happen to them. Father, I pray for complete freedom tonight. Tonight in Jesus' name. Anyone else that needs to walk here, just, just do it right now. Right now. Jesus. out of your victory. I'm telling you, a lot of times when we're oppressed by something that comes from the pit of hell, all you have to do is shine a light on it and it will flee. I have seen people set free because they went and confessed something to a, you know, a more mature brother and sister or pastor, someone who's mature in the faith, simply by confessing that thing, shining the light on it, I have seen yokes break, break. Why? Because all of a sudden, instead of the enemy telling you, that's shameful, keep that hidden. Don't tell anyone about it. Don't, don't let them think you're, something's wrong with you. Instead of doing that, all of a sudden, you shine the light of Jesus on it. And by shining the light on that thing, I've seen yokes broken, broken just by shining the light. So don't let the enemy shame you out of your freedom or out of your victory tonight. The altars are, are still open. If anyone else needs to come, you just come. If this is your situation and you need to be set free, you don't have to take this back home. And there is no shame. That's what churches are for. This is a place to receive freedom. 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 Anyone with fear of death. There is someone here, we're going to be more specific, that have been receiving threats of death. And you think your life is in great danger. I don't know if it's phone calls or if it's just thoughts in your mind. But like threats of death, something terrible is going to happen to you. I am here in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ to tell you. God determines when we go to heaven. No one else can. The Bible says not even a hair of your head falls on the ground without permission from the Lord. I bind the spirit of fear out of this house. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You're wonderful, Savior. Life, 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 life. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Someone needs help to come here. Just help them. I... This is what happened, friend, is the compassion of the Lord. God loves, God loves His church, His people. 
Some of you might say, well, I'm not even saved or, or I, I, I'm not sure I've, I don't belong. Jesus didn't ask a person, what religion are you before he healed them? He loves you and he's going to heal any thoughts of death, suicide, any fear, panic in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Free, free, free. Even if you are in ministry, you might be a leader. I'm familiar with this. I have this oppression visiting me before, threatening me. You're going to be so free. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to exit this through those exit doors, dancing in the spirit, full of joy. It's over, friend. It's over. That battle is over. Whoa! <laughs> Are we ready to pray? If anyone else needs to come, you can come anytime. In the middle of the prayer, at the end of the prayer, it doesn't matter. We love you. God loves you. Hallelujah. Stretch your hands towards our, our sisters here. Father, we agree. We agree. We agree to take authority against that oppression, against those thoughts of death. We declare Jesus the author of life. <laughs> Church, pray for them as if your sister was there, your, your mom, a, a very close relative. Pray with the same passion and love for them. Pray, 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 church. Help us, help us, help us. Every chain, every bandage, every jurisdiction of the enemy we cancel today. We take captive that captivity to the cross of Jesus Christ. And we declare freedom, 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 freedom. Repeat after me, I renounce. strength before your fire comes your oil your oil oh he's the lord is pouring abundant oil of healing Whoa! Whoa! that's the love of god the love of god the love of god pouring on his people we serve a god of love full of compassion full of mercy Take it in. Begin to be filled. Fill with the Spirit. Fill with the Spirit. Fill. I see roots coming out. Roots. Roots coming out. And God is planting something new. Yeah. With the freedom that the Lord set me free, I set you free right now. God is good. The Lord is good.
Let's just all sing that together now. There was healing in the oil, let it pour down. There was healing in the oil, let it pour down. There's healing in the oil, let it pour down. Barriers are being broken right now. Barriers, impossible things. Otherwise impossible, now they are happening by the power of God. Hallelujah. Let's I sense that we need to give hope to those who have incurable diseases. I remember the first time the Holy Spirit called me to do this. You know what I told him? Lord, that's not my ministry. We were in a ministry, in a meeting of holiness. And the Lord said to me, pray for those who are terminally ill. For incurable diseases. And so, anyway, I obeyed. And the power of God came in that place. And one of the testimonies was this lady with advanced cancer. She was so healed that the doctors kept testing her for over a month before they give her the certificate. They could not understand why they could not find a trace of the cancer. We know why. Another lady in Las Vegas. How many know God can heal even in Las Vegas? Nine years of uh, cancer in the blood. Leukemia. Leukemia. The leukemia can all, could only be uh, minimized through heavy medication. Nine years of medication. But the doctor said, nothing we can do. We cannot take the leukemia out of your blood. She is English speaking. She went to the English uh, meeting on a Sunday morning. Then she went for lunch, coffee, and she was going to go watch a movie Sunday afternoon. But Sunday afternoon at 2.30 p.m., we have our Hispanic meeting. And at the restaurant, the Lord says, go with the Hispanics. She didn't speak the language. She came anyway. The power of God touched her. She went back to the doctor, and the doctor said... You, you are a hundred, zero point zero zero leukemia cells in your blood. <laughs> Every now and then she comes to the Hispanic meeting just to smile and to, as a gratefulness to the Lord. She doesn't understand anything. She understands one thing, she got healed. How many are struggling with uh, something that the doctor says is incurable in some cases it could be terminal in some other cases just incurable raise your hands if you're struggling with something that is incurable physically incurable come come jesus specialized in incurable diseases because for him really nothing is incurable He's the doctor of doctors and he determines what can be incurable. <laughs> Nothing is impossible for our Lord. I'm talking chronic diseases that the doctor says, sorry, you're going to have to live with this or you will die with this. Well, this is your chance to come to the presence of the Lord who can heal and restore. Hallelujah. Church, will you help us? Let's see how our faith is. This is faith in action. When we pray like this, we develop compassion. We develop more passion, more fire. Stretch your hands towards them. 
and begin to declare healing upon them. Healing, 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 healing. Jesus says, come to me, those of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He loves us. <laughs> the power of God touched her before we even pray. <laughs> For, her, for his daughter for a healing, complete healing can Jesus heal if the daughter is not here have you ever seen that in the Bible healing long distance of course yes Lord Jesus, stretch your hands and begin to pray up a storm pray, 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 pray. the spirit of Jesus is here the spirit of Jesus is here hallelujah, hallelujah nothing, nothing Absolutely nothing is impossible for our Jesus and Savior. How is the faith of the church right now? Come on, let's please the Lord. Let's please Him by praying with faith, with joy. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Oh, Jesus loves us. For many years I dream of the day we will see spectacular healings. And friend, we have seen them and we still see them. Hallelujah. And Lord, this man has the faith to stand for his daughter, even though she's not here. And we send your word of healing to her right now. In the name of the Lord. Father, this man came for a new hope. Yeah. Sécate enfermedad y sal de él. En el nombre de Jesús. Fuera. Dry out sickness. Dry out completely and come out. Right now. Even the symptoms, the root of this problem. Come out. Stretch your hands and help us. Lift up our hands to the Lord and praise. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. In the ministry of Jesus, he did five things. He preached, taught, healed, delivered the captives, and imparted the Holy Spirit.
this is what we need to do even on a daily basis in our own ministry but the secret of it all is the Holy Spirit in us in the same chapter that we read in Luke chapter 3 there is a precious scripture thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord It is connected with preparing the way for the Lord. The people heard John praying with preaching with such an authority, they began to wonder if he was the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water for repentance. But one more powerful than I will come the thorns of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He was referring to Jesus, the Messiah, and he said, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What is the fire of God? First of all, it's a fire of purity. It's a purity that is imparted to you. It's like you borrow it. It's not yours. It comes from heaven and purifies every cell of your body, every thought, every intention of the heart. It's the fire. It's also a fire of power. Power to resist temptation. Power to defeat the devil. And it's also a fire of passion. Passion for God. Passion for the church. Passion for the lost. If you have lost your first love for Jesus, Get ready to receive the fire. If you need an impartation, John the Baptist said, yes, there is a baptism of repentance. And we have repented at these altars. But there is also a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. The day I received that baptism, I was not asking for it. I wanted revival. But I didn't understand the baptism of holiness. And suddenly I began to shake under the power of God. Fell on the ground. God began to speak to me and to say 98% holiness is not enough. That was the day that my life as a Christian was transformed. Our ministry transformed again. There are many ministries represented here. Some of you don't know it. But you're going to serve God Almighty. And we need an impartation of the fire of God. Why don't we agree together at these altars? Come to the altar of the Lord right now. If you want this fire, just leave your seat and come. And we're going to pray together that you're going to be empowered with this fire in Jesus' name. Just leave your seat and come. Fire carrier. Take it! Take it! 
only healing but fire. Fire carry it. Fire. My heart's The Lord said yes already. Fire, 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 carry. Fuego de Dios. Toca a Dios. What the Lord gave me a gift. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him as you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is here. More, 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 more for you. More. Double portion. Take it. Receive it now. Fire. Holy Spirit, fire.
Lift up our hands to the Lord and praise Him. He is so absolutely wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We praise you, Lord. Tell Him you love Him. If you want to bring the children here, look how these children are receiving. Out of the mouth of children, I will perfect worship. Look at these kids. They are under the power and the anointing of the Lord. When I walked by them, I was going to just do a little prayer, keep walking. I was glued to this place. The Holy Spirit is working so beautifully. Yes, yes, yes. Every child that wants to come, we're going to pray with you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, revival among our children. Let them be the vanguard, Lord. Yes, Holy Spirit, yes. Yes, Holy Spirit, yes. Wow, I didn't know there were so many children in this building. <laughs> we can start another meeting here. <laughs> Come this way, come this way, come close. Look at him, he's under the power of God. He's just receiving, he's just receiving, hallelujah. All, all I want you to do is just put your hands like this. Hallelujah. And begin to praise Jesus, begin to tell Jesus that you love him. Tell Jesus, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I want the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Can you say, Jesus, I love you? How many of you can lift up your hand and say, Jesus, I love you? Yes. Can you say? Yes, I love you. That's beautiful. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, Jesus I love you. Jesus. The presence of the Lord is upon them. The presence, the beautiful presence of Jesus. This changes their life, their future. They are so blessed to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit at such a young age. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Can you say, Jesus, I love you? Any of you can say that? It's kind of easy. Eh? Jesus, I love you. Jesus. You know, even as Sergio prays, there was something I, w I felt few minutes ago I wanted to share and it has really something to do with Jesus. children Jesus. three times now during time of setting people free I've had the enemy speak out to me and say things like their parents don't want them they're mine and the Lord began showing me how important the spiritual covering of the parents is over the children 
And I'm even telling you, if you have older children and you've given up hope on them, you said, you know, they've been in drugs so much. There's really, there's no, I'm, you know, there's nothing more I can do. I'm telling you, do not remove your spiritual covering from your kids. The enemy tipped his hand when he said to me now three times. I was praying for a gal that was a prostitute. She was a prostitute in drugs in Las Vegas. And I was praying for her, and she was, we were having a tough time getting her free. And all of a sudden, the enemy spoke out and said, nobody wants her. She's mine. And I said, oh, that is so not true. She was bought with a price. And even now, as a spiritual mother, I put a covering over this young girl. So I'm encouraging every parent here, every parent here, do not lift your spiritual covering off of your children. Keep your spiritual covering there. If you have children that are in bondage, I want you to join hands with your spouse. You know, even in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we often go to that chapter when we're looking for you know, advice about divorce. But in that chapter, there's a verse that says, if there's an unbelieving spouse, the believing spouse sanctifies the other one. And because of that, your children are holy. I'm telling you, all it takes is one believing spouse to put that covering in place. It takes one believing spouse. So parents, do not lift the spiritual covering off of your children. If you are a youth worker, if you have a chance to minister to young people, I'm telling you, one of the things that this generation needs is a spiritual covering. There's so many youth now that are coming from broken homes, that are coming from single-parent homes, that are coming from, from homes where sometimes they have parents and the parents don't even pay attention to them. They're, they're not covered. Something so powerful that we can do as a church is step up to some of these young people that are in despair and say to them, I put a covering over you as a spiritual mother. I put a covering over you as a spiritual father. I want you to know that you are wanted. I want you to know that you've been bought with a price. You are valuable. We want you for the kingdom. It is something so powerful and so simple that we can do as believers is to put that spiritual covering over this generation. So, Father, right now, I pray for every parent. Every parent, Lord, that maybe had given up hope. I pray today, Lord, that you renew their hope. That you give them now, Lord, a strategy. Even how to pray for their children. How to cover their children. Lord, how to go in and how to stand up against the enemy of the soul of their child. How to stand there and say to the enemy... I am now the spiritual covering over my child. I'm, I'm declaring that I am covering them and I, they are wanted. They are covered. They are loved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
'Cause I know. 